0: Welcome everybody to the lawyer and the layman. Um, as you may have noticed, we've been gone for a bit.
1: Yeah, just but, a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, but we we are finally back. We had there's been a bit of drama happening since the last time we spoke.
2: Yeah, but I think, as I said, so obviously now we're doing it on Zoom. So, if the quality isn't 100% for everyone, we do apologize in advance. But yeah, we can't leave the house without getting potentially arrested. So, we're not going to take that risk.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we it has been we are living in a how is everyone dealing with the lockdown? Oh, actually, before we even get to that, um, as usual, in case you guys have forgotten who does the show, (laughs) (laughs) uh. You're joined by myself, you Lisa Mkele, and the lovely Jennifer Stoller. How are you, Jen?
2: I'm good, I'm good. I've literally just been working so much during this time. I don't think there's anything else to do besides work and drink, but I'm going to run out of alcohol, so I have to kind of adapt.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah, the, the drinking part is I've turned into like my... I do like weekend binges Yeah. so that I don't...
2: Hopefully, well, that's obviously why we brought our guest... On today, um, which I'll give you the, the honors of introducing you. Know?
0: Yeah, um, we are joined by a repeat guest actually. Um, Setu Kumalo, I think last time we had you on setu was for it was, it was for four. We,
3: in, we had a few we had men are trash, we had um, yeah, the so we had did. men are
2: trash, then we had the the gender based violence one, so it's always cool to naming
3: and shaming, hey?
2: yes, and shaming. Yeah. So it's a, welcome. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Um obviously Thanks for
1: having me, guys.
2: we guys. we now have gotten to a point where we're getting back into it and I'm so excited because I actually think at this time people really do need to know what is going on legally and they need to know their rights. So what actually happened is that Seth contacted me and he was like, Well, I've heard of this this whole um potential application that's going on. Obviously, everyone in South Africa knows that we can't um, by alcohol, and there's been an, a ban on alcohol. Although I think about ten people got stopped on the highway today with cigarettes and alcohol, so people are getting arrested for that. Um, and yeah, there's been an application. Well, an application, yes, but a letter of demand that has been sent um, that is basically saying, well, the ban on alcohol is actually unconstitutional, and we need we need the, the, the alcohol to come back. But, yeah, Seth, Seth's the one that's uh, essentially the, the expert in this. So, yeah, I'm going to give the floor to Seth and tell us what that's all about.
3: Uh, thanks, Jen. Um, as, as you mentioned, uh, it came to my attention on Twitter, I think, about two days ago. I think it was Saturday evening that a letter of demand has been sent to the, the government in relation to the ban on the sale of alcohol. So I just wanted to sort of unpack certain key points about this letter of demand. So there's no confusion as to who it's coming from and what the demand is. Yeah. So this letter of demand is mm. uh, brought on behalf of the Gauteng Liquor Forum, which is an association which comprises of townshipship beings and taverns approximately about 20,000 micro businesses,
2: right? Yeah, are probably the ones suffering the most, let's be honest, that's their
3: bread one, and butter. One, yeah. 100%. And, and essentially what they've done is they, they're alleging that their right in the Constitution, Section 22, their right to trade, has been violated by the total ban on the sale of alcohol. And I think at the beginning it's very important to clarify that this, this constitutional challenge is against the total ban. Of, of the sales of alcohol. So, it's not against a limited sale of alcohol, but the fact that all alcohol sales have been prohibited. Right? Yeah, And so, what they've done is they've raised a number of other concerns in this letter, some of which we'll cover. Oh, sorry, Seth, we'll,
2: before we get um, into it, I just wanted to kind of do a little bit of a disclaimer that obviously we aren't um, constitutional law experts and we kind of just adapting to the times where all of this is happening around us and we kind of trying to use this forum to explain to people what it means. So when they are engaging in a conversation on their house parties or on their Zooms or whatever, they can actually Mm. engage in a conversation where they actually know what is going on. And um, we're kind of making, as we always do, making the the law background into uh, layman's terms And obviously, this is not considered to be any sort of legal advice. This isn't as advising you in a legal capacity. This is as taking what is happening and converting it into layman's terms so people of the country actually have an opportunity to know what is going on and actually understand what is going on. So, yeah, that's
0: Basically, don't sue us.
2: (laughs) What?
0: <laughs> I'm saying basically don't sue us.
2: Yeah, so basically don't sue us. And if you do, Setu and I will we'll, we'll rock it. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> but, but yeah, so that's, that's basically it. And Setu is obviously going to go through the ins and outs of the letter of demand, um, brief thoughts about the ban, the explanation of the constitutional, like how you approach the constitution. So sit back and relax. Get a cup of coffee or a glass of wine yep. if you've got any alcohol left. And yeah, let's go on a
0: journey. <laughs> um, wait, before we get into like the ins and outs, I just wanted to understand what was the, what was the thinking behind the total ban? Like what's, what's the sort of logic behind that?
2: Um, so that, that for me would only be, I would only be speaking on a basis of my opinions and views. So I think yeah. that um, obviously, so, so I know even on the news, South Africa has actually been congratulated in a way of how we've actually been dealing with Corona. It's actually, it's, it's amazing. Um, Because so my view is obviously when like the, your immune system is obviously lowered when it comes to alcohol and B I do think that um, the, the ideas behind it were that obviously alcohol people going to buy alcohol, it will, it will be higher rates of abuse higher rates of um, god forbid rapes or deaths so I think the smoking and alcohol ban is basically to kind of put us humans in check it, and nowhere anywhere over the world I think only in Greenland they've done it but everywhere over the world you can actually buy alcohol so I think that's why South Africa is so confused because we also have a constitutional right in order to trade which obviously got into but that's just my views on why it was banned I don't know if anyone else has different ones
3: yeah, I I mean I, I can't say that I know the official reason as to why there was a, a ban on cigarettes and alcohol trade. I think just in general discussion with people, the same the same points that you brought up are what we've all been led to believe is the reason behind this. Yo, I don't know if you've heard any anything different.
0: Um not really. Um, I've just heard a lot of very grumpy smokers um, swearing about this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but the, the problem is, is that this, and we'll obviously get into it after we discuss, is that this is obviously going to create a um, bootlegging kind of society where people are still buying alcohol, but illegally. But yeah. So, Seth, mm. I want to. Like, I've gone through the letter of demand briefly, but obviously, you are the the law brain today and just, just basically explain to us like where it came from, who it came from, and just kind of, just instead of it obviously being legal, let us tell our audience what it actually means.
1: Mm.
3: Okay. Well, as I was saying, Jen, what, what I find most interesting about this is that as more and more people talk about it and, and see this letter of demand, everyone's speaking about this letter of demand affecting the the ban on alcohol as a whole when you know the the parties bringing this is a relatively distinct group of people if that makes sense you know this is a liquor forum for taverns and shabins you know so an interesting thing about this thing is if it goes the whole way and the constitutional court decides to hear it and gives a ruling on this it'd be quite interesting to see how that affects your more mainstream alcohol market Mm. You know, like our like our local bottle store, things like that. Will they be able to rely on any precedent that's set in in this matter in regulating their own affairs? Well, if
2: they smart, they'll probably try to join join
3: it once it gets there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Now I hear what you're saying. Yeah, because I think this 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 could, if the court decides to hear this, it could bring a lot of a lot of things into one melting pot. You know, because when you look at how we've always been told that there's no hierarchy of rights, but one's right to trade in many ways is their right to self-determination and to earn a living. Yeah. You know, and mm. well, that's that, that's not referenced, it's not referenced in the letter of demand, but I mean, if you think about it more broadly, I think a lot of these rights are, are intertwined. It'd be interesting to see if, if they do proceed with an application here in their actual court papers, if they reference some of these other rights that might be Influenced yeah, so. upon by
2: the ban. But tell us actually what the what the letter of demand is saying, she says. So when they were drafting the letter of demand, what have they demanded from the government to implement before they launch I think the letter of demand said that if they didn't implement, they would launch by tomorrow, I think about like two or something.
3: yeah, yeah, tomorrow is 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 the deadline they've given in terms of the government's response. So the main allegations that I picked up on my reading of of the letter of demand is that, They claim that the total ban, and I keep on emphasising the fact Mm -hmm. that they're fighting the total ban, they say that it's unreasonable as well as that it lacks a rational connection to South Africa's fight against COVID-19. And interestingly enough, they've come again.
2: So that's what Julissa said in the beginning. He asked why is this actually happening. So if we have to ask as South Africans why is alcohol being banned? Obviously there's not a rational decision that is, that, is, um, that is very, very obvious, if that makes sense. So it's obvious that we are not allowed to go to work and all of that, because contacts will obviously, um, will hurt us, but there's no rational connection of why alcohol was banned. And not, so I understand that point from them.
3: Yeah, and then that I think leads back to what we were saying in the beginning is most of us are not too clear as to why. You know, so I think if this does proceed, the government will be given the opportunity to sort of clarify the thinking behind it. Yeah. So I think most of us are in the, in the dark mind. Um, another thing that they raised in their letter is they also challenged the authority to pass such a regulation. You know, and most of us are understanding. Yeah, that's something that I've picked up in, in the letter of Demand. If I can actually find it
1: here, I'll read how... Yeah. So from way, I
2: can't remember the exact wording, but it was basically that Sir Ramaphosa did not have the the rights to to give those kind of um, directives, which I don't think that we should really deal with in depth, but it is really, really important that people obviously know that that was one of the main arguments that they made.
3: Yeah, I mean, I can I can give it to you that was in paragraph 12 where it's that our clients do not object to the necessity to take measures to ensure that the spread of the virus is contained, and the virus is eliminated, our clients are concerned that the regulations are unconstitutional as a whole, as there's no authority under law and the constitution to issue the regulations. So that's one of the other allegations that they're sort of raised in in their their letter of demand. Um, what I think is of most importance to, to our conversation is their allegations of a lack of irrational. Um, relationship between the measures taken and, and the objectives which the government are trying to achieve. And what they've also done in their letter of demand, which I find incredibly interesting, is that they have agreed to a limitation on the, the sales of alcohol. So placing certain restrictions like times and places and so forth, yeah. which has a big bearing when we look at it through the tests which the constitutional courts apply when they look at the limitation of rights. But I mean, we'll, we'll obviously unpack that as, as our discussion progresses. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, well, those, okay. those
1: are the main points that, that I could have. Like just,
2: just in summary, they've basically written this letter of demand and it's, I think it's obviously come from the extension of the lockdown, which obviously everyone knew that it would get extended, although we had hopes like I even saw something funny the other day. It was like, whenever whenever your mom or dad like call you by your full name, you get scared. But when you hear Cyril saying, good, after, good evening, fellow South Africans, that's when like you should <laughs> coming, Kind of thing. <laughs> something big is coming. And I think when lockdown was extended, these people were like, okay, well, we could survive for these, this week or two. But now if we're not able to trade, we're actually going to be bankrupt and looting will start and all of that. So they've literally just put down what they want in the letter of demand. And obviously when you send a letter of demand, um, obviously some people don't know the full legal process. As a letter of demand, you're sending a demand to that party saying, please, can you do this, this and this? If you don't do it, we will go to court. So it's kind of like a warning. So what can happen in this instance is that the government can either choose to engage and sit and say, okay, well, let's engage and let's see what is reasonable for you and us in order to come to some sort of settlement agreement. Or they can just ignore it, say nothing, and then obviously an application will have to go to the constitutional court. Our main our objective of this podcast was, will this alcohol ban be able to, to um, take the constitutional master? So if they did launch an application at the constitutional court, what are our views on whether they would be successful or not because some people might be thinking oh people are going to court we're going to get alcohol back but that's not how it works it's not as simple as as that
3: yeah Mm. that's 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 exactly it and i mean one of the things i i I wanted to flag um which i found quite interesting and chen maybe from your read of the the letter of demand maybe you took something different but Mm -hmm. they didn't specify which court they'd be going to? I actually realised that the the understanding that they'd approach the the constitutional court directly comes from that tweet. If you recall, there was a, a prominent yeah. legal journalist who tweeted and sort of puts this letter of demand out in the public, and she is the one who who had stated that they would approach the constitutional courts. So, I mean, I don't know what her sources are, but we we'll, we'll obviously
2: move right. forward on the
3: assumption. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So maybe, yeah. but let's, let's, let's say any sort of court. So just for, for mm. argument's sake, we can talk about obviously the constitutional court and then we can also go on the basis of any court because everyone, um, I don't know if everyone knows, but courts are not dealing with matters unless they are extremely urgent or they relate to mm. um, obviously criminal activities or, or child related matters. So you can't just, if you are getting irritated with your neighbor, go to the court, lodge a summons and then go forward. So I think the let's let's yeah. focus on the constitutional aspect because they are challenging a constitutional right, and mm-hmm. and then we can take it from there.
3: Okay, so I think the first the first point calls for us to sort of discuss this route because I mean, those of us who 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 are trained in law will know that the constitutional court does not often sit like as a as a court of first instance. You know, it generally prefers for matters to start off in, in lower courts, have all the issues defined, and then they will deal with, with the matter on that higher level. Yeah. But if, if the forum here were to go directly to the constitutional court, they would have to satisfy the, the requirements of section 167 of the, the constitution, which, which deals with what we, we commonly refer to as direct access. Yeah. Right?
0: So
3: I had a so look that's at
2: like
0: s- when you go straight to the court.
2: Yeah, it's like yeah, so added- when you go to another court. So how it works is that the, we have our magistrates courts and then our higher courts and then our Supreme Court of Appeal and then our constitutional court. So essentially, constitutional court, a layman might think, okay, any constitutional right can go straight to the constitutional court, but you actually need to ask them to, to even accept you before you can even get in. So it's kind of like they like yeah. they have like a bouncer before you're at the door, if that makes sense. Ah, so you have to check yeah. certain boxes before they even say, okay, cool, we will listen to this. So you, your case actually has to have certain requirements um, in order for you to even get your foot in the door. And then once your foot's in the door, then you still have to convince 11 judges of what you're trying to prove. So what Seth is going to explain is that what direct access actually means because we don't want to reach a point that if people think, Oh, okay, I have this constitutional right and I have rights and you know how people in South Africa preach, Oh, my constitutional rights and yeah. our constitution is very, very strong. We obviously have more rights and responsibilities in terms of it, but we don't want people to think that you can just approach the constitutional court. If any of your rights have been, um, have been infringed. So Seth is going to go through just explaining what direct access actually means what in brief the process of it and what the constitutional court would as the bouncer well, the bouncer before the constitutional court say okay cool tick 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 you're welcome in
3: okay yeah so as 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 jen's explained it's a it's a two-step process and the first process is sort of showing your id to the bouncer and this is that <laughs> direct access and
2: it can't be fake <laughs> <laughs> you know
3: and and one thing to note about it it, it has both you know, procedural requirements, which is that tick box approach. You, know, you have to give the opposition your papers, they need to see it, they need to be given the chance to respond. But then there's more of a substantive requirement, which I'll discuss shortly, which is more in line with the merits and, and the law involved in the matter. Right. So as I was saying, the sources for, for the requirements for direct access are section 167 of the Constitution as well as Rule 18 of the Constitutional Court rules. So, I mean, each court is the uniform rules of court, which deals with your, with your high court. And I mean the SCA and the Constitutional Court then also have their own set of rules which regulate their processes. And from these rules, we can note that an application has to be made accompanied by an affidavit. And in that affidavit, the party seeking direct access to the Constitutional Court has to plead or contend the reasons for why their matter should be heard and enable for them to do that. They have to prove that it's in the interests of justice for the court to deviate from its normal processes of hearing courts later, or rather hearing matters later on in, in, the, in the judicial history. Um, so that's, that, that's quite a heavy onus, which I'll, which I'll discuss. That's a substantive requirement which needs to be satisfied. And I think that's where the, the Liquor Forum, in this case, will encounter their first hurdle. Um, after they've delivered that, that, that affidavit, it'll be lodged at the Registrar of the Constitutional Court, and then the Chief Justice at this point has discretion to either request the parties to file written submissions, explaining you know, their cases, essentially, or you can say, listen, we can proceed with
0: this without having those written submissions done.
2: So basically, by the time all of this so, happens, lockdown will be, like, over.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to so- say, like, that sounds <laughs> a lot like it's going to take forever.
2: Yeah, like, it's, it's something what, what, that is not just, a, like, obviously, they will deal with it as urgently as they possibly can, but it's, like, it's it's one of those things where the wheels of justice turn really, really slowly, unfortunately, mm. and um, I, I do think, obviously, on a side note, that that kind of letter of demand was kind of to say to the government, well, you need to do something because we're going to do this. But uh, let's say, for example, the government don't back down. Like, will they even launch an application? So, like, I think what Seth's trying to explain is that, well, yeah, they they might have a good case and they might tick certain boxes, but it doesn't stop there. You can't just rock up at the constitutional court and think that you'll be heard automatically in order to enforce rights, especially obviously during lockdown. Like we're in a pandemic that hasn't happened before. And I think a lot of things that happen in the courts are going to set certain precedents. Like this has never happened before. We're Mm. not even sure if the Mm. court would be more strict because there is a pandemic. Um when you're in court.
3: That's that's exactly why we had to speak about this.
2: Exactly, exactly. Because it's it's actually such an unknown of the normal course is obviously the normal course that we know of. But now we kind of have to think out the box and say, well, like yeah, there's a pandemic going on. Is the constitutional court? Are they going to be more strict than normal? Are they going to like? What's going to happen? And I think it's a cool topic because there are actually no answers until it unfolds.
3: Mm. Yeah, that's that's that, that's exactly that because as Jen was saying, Rick, this is unprecedented. You know, we we've never lived through a pandemic before. You know, our court hasn't sat in these circumstances, and. You know, my understanding and Chen as the attorney here can help me out is that the law is not supposed to exist in a vacuum to its context. Exactly. You know, the courts have to be mindful of the scenario or the setting that the country's in at a given point in time. You know, and this this the substantive requirement of your matter needing to be in the interest of justice to be heard has been dealt with in numerous cases before. You know, it's not mm. a new concept. Um in our law. And I've just I've just noted the, the general guidelines that the court looks at when deciding whether hearing a matter is in the interest of justice. They look at the importance of the constitutional issue raised, the desirability of obtaining an urgent ruling by the constitutional court, um, whether any dispute of fact may arise during the course of that matter, uh, the possibility of obtaining relief from another court. And the costs that may be saved by going directly to the constitutional court. Mm. So when we look at this criteria in relation to, you know, the the applicants in this matter, you know, this liquor forum, as I said, this liquor forum doesn't represent massive corporations in South Africa, but rather seems to represent the smaller
0: guys.
1: Mm.
0: How, so what happens if the bouncer just bounces them and is like, well, never mind, you can't come in.
2: I think, it's also so hard to, I think it's so hard to also think about it like this. So let's say, for example, they do go to the constitutional court and they hear them hypothetically, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, they have a right to trade. So their right in terms of the constitution is no different to my right, right? So my mm-hmm. right, let's say, for example, I own a um, restaurant. And now I have to close my restaurant's doors and I can't deliver food and I can't do X, Y, and Z. Um, I also have the exact same right that these people in terms of alcohol are, are trying to, to enforce. Obviously, lots more people will back them because people want to buy alcohol and people want to be able to have that luxury. But we can't say, okay, well, um, I, I think it's gonna be so hard for, for them and the courts to consider because everyone's right has been infringed because of this pandemic. It's a pandemic. Do you know what I mean? The government has, hasn't just said, okay, no. well, um, Easter weekend, people die a lot from alcohol I'm banning alcohol randomly. Every single industry cool. has been affected by this. Every single person that has the, the capacity to earn capital has been affected by this. So what makes the, the, this alcohol liquor forum so important to any other person's right?
3: You know, Jen, just, just building on what you're saying there, what, what I've been Going back and forth with is that, you know, in the court determining whether it's in the interest of justice to hear the matter, they do it on a case-by-case basis, right? Mm. And we can agree that, you know, the right to trade applies uniform across all people. You know, I mean, everyone has the right. But is there no level deeper than that in the sense of the importance of the right may differ from person to person? I don't, know, I don't know what your opinion on that would be. Because, no, I mean, of course.
2: It does obviously from person to person. And I think, I think the biggest thing of why alcohol and cigarettes would probably even, let's not even say get past the bouncer, let's say get past the security guard where, where you're walking into <laughs> the place, is because alcohol and cigarettes have been banned only in South Africa, not all over the world. So the, yeah. the things that have been happening all over the world, like, okay, you're not, to, you're not allowed to go to work. You're not allowed to do this. That's been uniform. But now South Africa is yeah. like, okay, let's take it one step ahead. No alcohol, no cigarettes. And that's where we get back to the rational and reasonable connection. Like, is there a solid connection? So it's like me saying, yes, um, alcohol and cigarettes weaken your immune system, which make you more prone to, prone to Corona. Okay. But Mm -hmm. so does sugar. Um, So, so so does sugar. Sugar does the exact same thing. It also weakens your immune system. So, what are you? Now, our shop's Mm. not allowed to sell sugar. Do you know what I mean? So, it's one of the mentality where if they're giving a reason for it, it needs to be just like a a reasonable reason. And South Africans don't understand why. So, that's why Mm. I do think that although I will get there, uh, whether we're going to think that they would be successful or not based on our views. It's also a very very hard thing to consider because and the courts are welcome open to anyone if uh if let's say mm. um companies that think that they that they should be being able to trade they also can approach the court just obviously that this alcohol um forum has done it first
1: mm.
3: yeah I think that's what makes it most important is that this is sort of the first challenge that we've we've heard of at least you know, and it's, a, it's been a big row about about the ban. Yeah. But I mean, one thing, I, I, it's, it's this, this interest of justice test, you know, this first threshold test is, it's a very interesting one. And I, I really hope that we we're privileged enough to, to see this play out, you know, and it does go to the court and the court decides on these matters because in these instances, like, no work, no pay you know mm-hmm. and there are a lot of this is obviously being looked at in the context of potentially lower income society you know taverns and shabins i think are, are not comparable to massive bottle stores
2: imagine granted though you're going to see all these people from santon rocking up in soweto and like, <laughs> trying to buy alcohol
3: <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how and that's another thing because then that would that would feed back into exactly what we've heard the government's Wait. rationale is, you know what I mean? We're trying to restrict movement and here people are flocking into areas to find their local tavern.
1: Yeah.
3: But, but if that's I it,
0: if, that's no? Yeah, oh sorry, I was just saying so if, if I understand you guys correctly though, isn't it if say for instance, for whatever reason it were to sort of pass in some way or form for the um the tavern people, wouldn't that right to trade then also extend to like Mass market people, so like instead of people flocking to wherever, wouldn't tops just go, Oh, well, even I can open now?
3: Well, we don't know. That's 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 the interesting thing about this, yeah.
0: That's Mm. that's that's what's that's what's made
3: this such a hot topic, I think, because Mm. it's being brought by a minority, if you can say that in the grandest scheme of things, Mm -hmm. but if if the court decides to set precedent, then for more mainstream alcohol retailers, they would potentially want to rely on the same thing and say, "Hey, listen, we can also adopt limited hours rather than trading our normal hours and exercise our constitutionally guaranteed right Yeah, so hmm.
2: I, think, I think what we need to go into is basically let's go into the the actual argument in depth, so what, can, what I can see from the argument is obviously the rationality argument, the president not having authority, the section 22 infringement, which is the, the right to trade, and then also one of the most important sections of the constitution, which is um, the limitation clause. So like just in brief layman's terms, we all have constitutional rights, but there's a limitation clause that can limit to your rights, right? So that's why... Um, I can have a right to trade, for example, but during this pandemic, the Section 36 limitation clause is there to say, well, your rights is actually being limited because of X, Y, and Z, and that's how they justify it. So, your rights are not completely 100% intact all the time. So, set is obviously that's going to that, those, like that, that that concept in depth because a lot of people are saying, oh, this is my right, this is my right, but they're not actually aware that the constitution can limit their rights.
3: Yeah, 100%. I mean, that, that, that limitation happens every day. Exactly. You know, that, that, that limitation happens every day and it's just about the, you know, the, the standard that it applies, whether it's just and, and reasonable. So in, in terms of that limitations analysis, so in the instance that this forum is able to satisfy the bouncers, as we've been saying, <laughs> and the courts... <laughs> the, the court, this is
2: us hypothetically going yes. on the jaw, so just enjoy it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> if the court decides that there's merits behind the application and it's in the interests of justice for the application to be heard, because they've relied on an infringement of section 22, or at least that's what we can tell from the letter of demand. Yeah, you know, I think one thing... We can say is that this isn't their official court. It's not their official court papers. You know, they'll they'll plead accordingly in their affidavit. But this is just insight as to where their heads are at at the moment, right?
2: No, so if they, they approach the court, do like do you know what I mean? They kept it vague, which is probably good because then they can add whatever they want after the fact. Um, which is also maybe yeah, alongside bad alongside. because now the, the government might not know their matter and just be like, oh, whatever. It's not strong enough, so they can do whatever they want.
3: There's there's that experience coming through. <laughs> 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 um. So yeah, as we said, with with rights, rights aren't absolute and they can be be limited. And when the court assesses that, they use a two stage inquiry, and the first level of this inquiry is sort of to determine whether a recognizable right in the Bill of Rights has been infringed, right? So in the present instance, this would be section 22. A court would look at the fact that alcohol trading has been restricted in its entirety. Has the right to trade been infringed? And how they do this, I mean, I'm not going to get into that because I'm not a constitutional court judge, but they do an interpretation of the law which you allege Uh, is infringing your right as well as an interpretation of the right and the scope of the right. So they, they, they try and find out what does it mean to have a right to trade. And they look at that against the restrictions imposed by this regulation and determine whether it indeed fringes the right to trade.
2: Which is obviously going to change now because there's a pandemic. It's not like they've just said you can't do this, you can't do this. So as much as obviously they have to comply with, and that's the one thing that's cool about law and also like sometimes not so cool, it's based on interpretation. So the interpretation of now, um, everyone's rights have been infringed on, everyone's rights have been infringed on, because that's the, the, our rights for protection and all of that from the government might trump any of those rights. So it should be interesting if this does go to court of what, how they would actually enforce that.
3: Yeah, 100%. I think that's where um, in the instance, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'd ask you guys, do you guys feel that this is a clear-cut infringement of right to trade? I mean, yo, you, you haven't said much. <laughs> I mean,
0: Well, I don't know, I'm trying to sort of follow, <laughs> um, but it sounds a lot like, um, I think it sounds a lot like, I mean, Jen might have a point in that, I mean, it is an infringement of the right, but for what is a fairly good reason. And um, like you guys are saying, like your rights aren't always absolute all the time. And, you know, under, it would, I mean, it would seem like it makes sense that under these particular conditions, you can maybe curtail someone's right to trade based on the fact that your trade is going to murder us all.
2: Yeah, and also our right to movement has been restricted you don't see like yeah. running to the court saying um, or right to to you know what I mean freedom of movement which is a right in the constitutional court but the limitation clause will literally tick every single box because our right to limitation um, is reasonable I mean our right to movement in order to limit that is reasonable in the circumstances if people were just running around our population would be sick our um, lockdown would be longer our economy would completely crash like The government has a very hard task here and that's why i always say in terms of the constitution there are so many rights that we have that we forget about our responsibilities and that the the government obviously now has to say well this can't happen the 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 alcohol thing is confusing because the rest of the world has not done it so it kind of came from nowhere when we couldn't do it in south africa um and there are the mechanisms you can sell alcohol and get delivery trucks. Uh, there are different mechanisms that can, in my view uh, do it as much as possible, but when going to court, I don't see them being successful because of the pandemic. Like if this was a different case altogether where there was no pandemic and alcohol was just banned, completely different realm.
1: Mm, yeah. but
2: could
0: they not also is the is that whole because I remember uh, at the beginning, you, said you made like, sort of quite a point on saying it's the total ban that they have an issue with. So would mm-hmm. that maybe not be where they like, weasel their way into some kind of vaguely favorable decision in that they're saying, like, guys, there is a pandemic, we get it. We're not stressed about that. We're just saying, yo, give us an hour to sell people this Johnny Walker
2: yeah and you I mean, I'm I, think, said, I don't know there's a point in section thirty six just correct me if I'm wrong, where it talks about less restrictive means in order to to give weight to that right.
3: yeah that's I think that's having having read the letter of demand in the context of section thirty six and you know, put up as a prism and look at look at the, the letter of demand through it. I think that's the 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 theme of of their letter, you know. They went as far as putting, sort of, suggested trading hours, mm. you know, to sort of show that listen, there might exist less restrictive means. Yeah, we understand mm. that we 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 understand sort of the rationale to some extent behind the banning of alcohol, but they're fighting against the total ban. They're saying, listen, you can still achieve less movement, less social interaction. Which we've been told are methods of curbing the spread, but we can do that with a bit of adjustment.
2: Yeah, so and now they are negotiating sense. with the bouncer. They've been like, "Just let us in for like an hour. <laughs> let us just yeah, yeah that's for two days." That's sort of
3: what they. That's sort of hmm. what they are going with, and your your understanding of of how this limitation of rights works as you just mentioned a few minutes ago is exactly correct you know a right can be infringed but 36 will tell us whether that infringement is acceptable or not you know because i mean mm. that, that 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 works as a check and balance on the state's power i mean could you imagine being in a state where the state could just limit rights yeah we not
2: be in a democracy that's for sure like and i think I think the, this whole thing is that, obviously, getting it into layman's terms is that we now have a ban on alcohol, right? And I'm sure there's even some sort of right, as I said, I'm not a constitutional lawyer, but I'm sure there's some sort of right in the Constitution that even protects me from not being able to be limited resources. Like, I went to Pick and Pay the right. other day, and they're not even selling Tupperwares. It's like, it's the most, it's the weirdest thing, because it's not yeah. a thing. But it's,
0: yeah, you can't even buy like baby clothes out like after a certain age. Like I think they've got infants clothes and like newborn clothes, but like
2: yeah.
0: you can't I buy like.
2: The other day, to get sigma Because I needed makeup. Because obviously now, because it's a pandemic, people just think that they can freaking phone Facetime you whenever they want, and you have to. <laughs> that. And I went to this gym, and there was the whole makeup section was like blocked. And I said to the chick, like, why is it blocked? And she's like, it's not an essential thing. I'm like, for some women it is. Like <laughs> I need to <chicken> <laughs> have meetings and all of that. But it's alcohol is not considered to be essential, and neither is cigarettes. And that is the, the end of it. And now obviously it's going deeper into rights to trade. Um, and I'm sure there are other be there will be there's so many rights that are being infringed at the moment, but obviously they can stand the test of. Section 36. But, Seth, I want to ask you. So, if we have to kind of say, okay, well, this is the the gist of it, we're literally working off a four page letter of demand. It's not a very comprehensive letter of demand. If it had to go to court based on those factors, obviously without going into depth, what is your view? Do you think that there would be, um, do you think it it would, they would win? Obviously, we can't say because we're not judges, but we can give our views.
3: Yeah, Jen. You know, for me, I'm, 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 I'm personally really hoping that this this matter goes all the way because I really do think for the development of our our law. In my opinion, you know, um, this would be a good chance for the court to get out of its comfort zone.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, the court is, the court is going to have to deal with things not in the ordinary course of business. We're in the middle of a pandemic, and I guess it'll also Give us, you know, those who who take an interest in it, a guideline as to how far our rights can be limited to achieve a certain end mm. in a moment of crisis.
2: Yeah, you know what I mean, exactly. it's super interesting. It's, um mm. obviously like you know me, that's why I left litigation. I try to say to myself, let's try limit litigation as much as possible, like not overburden the courts, but. I do think that the, if this had to go to court and you have comprehensive papers and a compelling argument, I do think it would be super interesting. And if if it did go to court, if I was part of the tobacco industry or the alcohol industry or any other industry that their rights have been um, because this isn't only about alcohol. This is this is, and I think this is what people need to understand. This is about a right that has been infringed, that alcohol forum has has manipulated not manipulated, but kind of Made out that that's what they don't want. You know what I mean? So yeah. there could other, there could be other people that join to that application. There could be other people that say, "Well, I have an interest in this." Um, I, I'm not considered to be like the tobacco industry, for example. All of those things can join, and it can actually end up being a massive thing.
0: Hmm. Weird question. Mm-hmm. How would? Mm-hmm. How would the court even like sit to hear the matter? Like would they all have like a Zoom meeting? Like <laughs> how would they, <laughs> how would they just, like, hear it?
3: Like, just just to give clarity on that, um, there have been there have been directives which have been issued. I'm I'm not too sure if the CC has sort of given its own directive, but there have been directives on how court proceedings will continue in this in these tough times, so I mean, I mean, I was in Pretoria not so long ago, and I literally walked past the High Court, and every single person I was walking in was sort of being, as what I assumed was temperature measured. Oh
2: my word! Uh, it, that must have taken three yeah, days I, to get in because you can't even get in normally. It it's so slow.
3: Single line file outside of the court and counsel and everything, advocates, literally one by one being scanned. Wow! So I think the court has sort of thought of 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 how to deal with with these sort of issues for hearing matters.
2: Mm. So I think like for me it could go either way and that's what's so exciting about litigation is that you're still having individuals um making certain decisions on on this basis if I had to give, like, if you had to say to me, okay, Jennifer, you need to give a yes or no answer. This is this is probably the worst question you can ask a lawyer, just by the way, just to give a yes or no answer. <laughs> Not a yes, but no, yes, but maybe. You have to consider the facts like that. We can never ever say yes or no. But if I had to say yes or no, I would say no. I don't think that this would be, um, I don't think that this would would uh, be successful. What are your views?
3: Yeah, I think, yeah. Leading or first, could I, could I, could I run through the, the limitations analysis? Yes, yeah, so I think that's the most and important. Maybe we, we, can, we can put Yo on the spot and ask him what he thinks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with, a, with, a, with this section 36 limitations inquiry, um, the court seeks to determine whether the limitation on that right is reasonable and justifiable in an open and democratic society right? And there's sort of two approaches to determining that. Section 36 lists certain considerations which the court needs to take into account. Uh, These include the nature of the right being limited, the importance of the purpose of the limitation, the nature and extent of the limitation of that right, as well as the relation between the limitation and the purpose. And then that last factor, which I think Is probably one of the most important factors in assessing a limitation is the existence of less restrictive means to achieve the purpose. Yeah. So just to just to unpack that a little, I just wanted to give a brief, like, chat on law of general application, right? And what this means essentially is that the the law being challenged or the conduct being challenged has to be authorized by law and needs to be applied in. A general fashion, it can't be. I don't know, Jane. Maybe you'd be able to to help me say this in more layman's terms. But I mean, you can't arbitrarily apply this law. So I can't apply it to you and not apply it to yo. Yeah. Apply it to yeah. myself, it needs to be across the board.
2: Yeah, of course, they can't be like, well And that's what's so weird is that it's it's specific people approaching the court for them to trade. It's not a um. An application that is coming from let's say the public because it's in complete public interest um, and mm. that's why we say if it have to be granted would, would other people be able to sell alcohol um, because mm. you must understand restaurants have been told to close right so let's yeah. say I have a restaurant and I've been told to close but I am a bar can I now sell alcohol so It's going to be such a hard judgment because they're going to have to be so careful in in how they would word it because it will not just be the sale of alcohol because then essentially restaurants can open up again and sell alcohol. They're not obviously like a liquor city or whatever, but they still sell alcohol. Let's say I'm living in the Capitol Hotel. There's a restaurant there. That's where I live. I don't actually have to leave my premises. Can I order alcohol and for room service? Do you know what I mean so it's like
1: mm.
2: so many questions that I'm sitting in my my hotel room I'm not leaving I'm not putting anyone at risk I'm not um coming I'm social distancing I'm doing everything I'm to do but why can't they deliver alcohol to my door
3: mm. yeah and that's 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 the that's what the potential effect of such a a judgment has could have and that's why i'm frothing at the mouth for the court to hear this
2: <laughs> yeah it's going to be super interesting because it's it's one of those things where when they make a judgment it has to be and you must understand in these kind of matters right and like obviously ones that we've done hysteri- historically like the daha couple matter and all of that said like how many months did it take for the court to make it to write a full judgment like it took long so the amount of yeah. time that it's going to take a court to actually decide on this a lockdown might be, might be over then. So that's why it's such mm. a, it's quite a, it's quite a, a bit of a, like, let's say I had a client that approached me with this matter. Obviously I'm on a constitutional attorney, but i would be like, well, by the time we get there and we get judgment, it's like, yes, you have the, and I think people need to understand this, that if they didn't, if they didn't launch the application, you always still have the right to claim damages. So any damages essentially you kind of, you kind of suffered, you might not be successful, But by the time that this gets to cause and by the time that there's a judgment, it might actually be redundant. Can you hear me? Can you hear me?
1: Sorry about that. (laughs) Yeah, I can hear you there.
3: Sorry, technical issues.
2: (laughs) Oh, no. I was like, oh, my word. What is happening here? (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. I have no idea what happened. I just got muted. Well you gave back me a smoke.
2: That's what nearly happened. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think yeah, so the, the the most important part is definitely the limitation clause. I think it's gonna be super exciting. They have until tomorrow, so we might get an, another notice being like, hello for this fellow South Africans. Cyril will be talking at this time. Um but yeah, we don't know where it's going to ha- where it's going to go. But I think it's cool that it has happened, and I do think that it's important for people to understand it. Like lots of people are like, "Cool, we can drink." No, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't.
3: Yeah, and I mean, leading leading off that um, limitations analysis, after you know, saying that it is a law of general application, you know, the courts turn their attention to whether it's reasonable and justifiable. You know, this ultimately boils down to a determination of whether the violence or the intrusion on the right, which is constitutionally protected, is both rationally connected to the government's objective, which here is to contain the spread and whether the intrusion on the right is proportionate to that objective. You know, so to to unpack that essentially what the forum would have to paint, a sort of picture they would have to paint is that, listen, the total ban is overboard. Mm. It's too intrusive on the right. They're willing to Mm. accept a proportionate infringement on their right in the sense that we'll trade in these limited hours, but a complete ban, they're alleging essentially that it's disproportionate to what the government is trying to achieve.
2: And I agree. Like, I actually do agree with that. But obviously, as law minds, we go more into it and go more into it and more into it. And at the end of the day, yes, the government could have said, um, people only allowed to go to a bottle store between this time and this time. And there's only allowed 10 people in the bottle store at a time. And you're only allowed to buy a maximum of, let's say, two bottles and um, X, Y, and Z. I think South Africa, as a nation, we've done. Obviously, very well in the sense of saying no cigarettes, no alcohol, bloody bloody blah, blah. And I think people were really peeved at it, but accepted it. But then, when lockdown mm. was extended, people were like, "Surely, we must have an opportunity to kind of stock up again." But that's not really how it works. <laughs> the government isn't going to yeah. say, really "Cool, you need your fix, and we understand that you need a glass of sherry or wine, so go and expose yourself, and then let's actually undo the two weeks that we've 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 had this lockdown." So. Yeah. It's a very, very hard thing to to kind of manage, and as sex said, it would be super awesome if it did, and it it would be analyzed because it is really, really, really interesting. They could have avoided this by just not banning it in the first place, like it's going to be very hard for a government to kind of sit back and say, Okay, we were incorrect now, um alcohol can be sold so it's also there's also an ego side to it, which I believe um is is really, really important.
0: Yeah. What do you think the chances are that like the Concord um, decides that actually we're not even going to hear this at all?
2: Very high. Thank
0: you. Yeah. That's
3: one of the debates um, I've been having with myself is sort of this triangular relationship between the interests of justice, the public interest, and what's a hot topic. Yeah. You know? um, as I said I'm not a constitutional court judge neither am I an expert in con law so I, I don't know how the three interplay but it's obviously a hot topic you know, we, can, we can scratch that off the list everyone or most South Africans are talking about it a lot of South Africans do drink and want to have access to alcohol but that interplay between the interests of justice and whether this is in the general public interest is is going to be interesting to see if they do decide to approach the court. You know, another thing that one might factor in is society's morals. Yeah. Yeah. You
2: know, Which are diminished is, with alcohol. Like, I think even one of the top um, public hospitals said that their, their trauma rate has gone down by, like, 70% or something ridiculous because of... Um, not being able to have access to alcohol so if you're if you're a nation trying to protect your people from um because let's be honest when people are drunk they, their inhibitions are lower they have no sense of consequence and they will do essentially whatever they they want so the government is probably being like well we don't want people to be consuming and people are still consuming but i also believe as like south africa for example we get told lockdown will commence from thursday at midnight south africans are like when's midnight? Like, we question yeah. everything. Everyone's like, well, it wasn't, you, you knew when midnight was on New Year's Eve, but now you're asking. So, so we don't like mm. to get told that we can't do something because it makes us want to do it even more.
3: No, 100%. So that the, the, the likelihood of the court not entertaining this, if, if the application is brought literally all it, it pins on on that that interplay of the public interest and the interests of justice. I personally feel and I don't know if this is a consideration that you know the courts take into account, this would be a good opportunity to set the record straight. Mm. You know? If if you if you write a comprehensive judgment on this sort of thing for generations to come, if there's a pandemic that occurs, the law in this regard is certain.
2: Harder. there's another pandemic in my lifestyle I'm leaving, I'm done <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's one of those things where I think as a nation we've done really really well and I think um, it's, I think if there wasn't like as I said South Africans will always find something, it'll be like um, oh, our president's done so well but why can't we drink and smoke or uh, mm. like there's always something, like obviously the, the cigarettes and alcohol thing it is what it is. Uh, they don't want people flocking to the shops. They, I think their argument of how not having alcohol and cigarettes will protect a nation out will outweigh a right to trade. Because they also have put in mechanisms for people for um, business rescue, for UIF, for this, for this. So there's mechanisms are there to allow people that if they can't put food on the table, there's grants, there's this, there's this. But for, for, for us to say, okay, drinking and smoking, the medical evidence, the evidence of um, crime rate that's gone down or, or people getting infected, I do believe is stronger than the actual right of selling it. Do you know what I mean? And I might mm. get crucified for saying that because people want their dope. That's all.
0: Yeah yeah I'm one of those people I'm <laughs> and so am
2: I and so am I like literally my mom was like we have seven bottles of wine left and I was like okay that's quite a lot and then I thought it's not a lot for two people that like wine yeah
3: <laughs> it's hiding. You know, you know,
2: to say like in terms of closing of like what your views are anything like that
3: um one thing I you know I wanted to to ask you Jen something I thought about and Obviously, I'm still very early in my career, so there are things I don't know.
2: You
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, You know, I just want to ask, you know, if this, 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 this potential application is being brought by business owners, you know, and they've, they've grounded this in their right to trade. But what I often think about is the interplay on the right of their employees to earn a living. Yeah, you know, is that something? Is that something that the court will take into account?
2: I because think it's not that's just the guy. That would take forever. That's what I'm saying. Is that when when they ban alcohol and cigarettes? Okay, it affects me as a as a consumer of it. It affects mm. the, the company of, as a distributor of it. It, exce- it affects yeah. the employee as obviously the employee of the thing. So it's it's a circle mm. of it's like a domino effect. Right? Mm. So it's affecting every single um, space. And I, I, I have a right. Like I always say, whenever people say, Can I sue for that? I'm like, You can sue for whatever you want. Whether you're successful or not is obviously the, the big thing. I can approach mm. the court on whatever I essentially want. Like I've seen people in family law approaching the court um, because they wanted to go see their child uh, in another province. I've seen people approach the court when they wanted to go to a burial for one of their family members and they weren't allowed to travel. Do you know what I mean? Like it's,
1: mm.
2: everyone is being affected by this, whether you're, you're affected in the sense of, um, okay, you're not going to make as much money as you would, and you're going to have to kind of tighten your belt. And then there are people affected that are literally going to die of starvation and not, not be able to live through it. Not because of Corona, but because of, um, Uh, our our population they live hand to mouth. So Mm. everyone is being affected and it's up to the the government can't curtail that by saying, okay, people can still work or whatever. How they have to curtail it is by having mechanisms of UIF payments and social grants and um, company rescue. That's the only way that I do believe that they can facilitate people's rights. And it's hard for a country like that. Don't have the resources. Mm. So, yeah, wow, I like,
1: mean it's
2: it's, it's hard. Everyone you know? actually everyone's being affected by this. My rights, your rights. Some people more than others. And like I always say, even people made money at war. Like they are people that are capitalising on another level during this time. Someone wanted to sell sure. me the other day for eighty rand. I was like, are oh, you mad? So, so i tell what saying, for eighty rand. Like it's good news. It's one of the, <laughs> but it's one of those things where people are bootlegging now. People are exploiting their, mm. their own people because of that kind of stuff. So the whenever we say, okay, this is right, you must also understand there always has to be evil for there to be good. There has to be good for there to be evil. Right. There can't just be one side of the spectrum. They, we It's a yin and yang. We need both. And unfortunately, yeah, it's, it's it would it'd be super interesting for them to do this. I know even in the cigarette industry, they've been thinking about it. But yeah, we'll just have to see and then we can make another podcast.
0: Yeah. That was a very good Star Wars quote to end off. Or it like sounded very Star wars
2: It like, <laughs> must
0: be good to be
1: evil. <laughs> Come to but the it's dark side.
2: It's like we need... <laughs> yeah. That sounds bad, but like we, people that are going to die in this country it's, there's no way around it, like, it's, uh, we, it's, it's like they're getting sacrificed for our earth to, to kind of heal, and they get, and people that are making money from hand sanitizers and masks and all that, like, the people and the people that can't survive are being sacrificed for that. So, yeah, it's never Mm. going to be world peace, (laughs) sorry to say. Yeah.
3: Yeah, from my end, just in close, I mean, if, (laughs) if a listener, couldn't couldn't follow on with us i could just quickly cap and you know, recap how how this works so as we said there's the first bouncer
1: <laughs>
3: of of direct of direct access where anyone who's trying to challenge these regulations by approaching in the constitutional court will have to show that it's in the interest of justice for their matter to be heard if they if they're fortunate enough to get past that hurdle so then have to identify right in the bill of rights which they claim has been infringed and if the court believes that that that's been infringed then they'll move to the section 36 analysis to determine whether that infringement is um, reasonable and just and the most important thing there and as we see in this letter of demand is the court has to take into account whether there exists less restrictive means i think that's where. If this matter does go to court, um, I think that's where a, a lot of the focus, at least from the applicant side, would be play, placed. You know, you have to try mm. and show that. Listen, I acknowledge your restrictions, but let's loosen the belt a little and and play fair.
2: Yeah, and I said, and I said by the time this probably happens, lockdown will be over. <laughs> it's I mean, yeah. it happened fast. <laughs> I do think that it would be super interesting if it did happen. Um, There's, after a lot of demand, there's definitely been talks behind the scenes. There must have been, but I also think South Africa is kind of like, well, in the last week we we have one of the best rates of Corona infections. Okay, whether like let's not get into conspiracy theories. People like people aren't reporting it. China did this. China did that. But like on face value. We have one of the lowest reported deaths from Corona, and can mm-hmm. we say that's probably because of the what what the, the uh, mechanisms that the government have done? So as I said, mm. if this does happen, there's so much there's so much thought behind it, and there's so many interesting things that we can engage in. But I guess we just got to wait until until tomorrow to see what 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 happens.
1: Hundred percent. Looks
0: like it.
2: Yeah, And if there is, Hopefully, people are going to yeah. flock to get alcohol.
0: <laughs> oh, fuck. oh, yes. No. If they if they give me just a moment. <laughs> they're like, you can buy alcohol <laughs> for 10 minutes. I am <laughs> will everything. be at the front of that. Piece.
2: It's like when you're in Woolies and you're hungry and you open up a sandwich. I'll be drinking like a bottle of wine while I'm in the aisle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, thanks so much. Seta. Honestly, I appreciate it so much. You bringing this... um topic to light i do think it has been super interesting and i know i've, I've learned a lot and i'm sure yo has as well oh,
0: yeah thank you so much thank this was guys. very very cool
2: and yeah like if anyone has any questions they're more than welcome to contact us i will be posting this on our socials um i will actually also now because i'm a technological whiz i've got a mailchimp account so i will be making an email with the link And um, everything, Setu's information, yours information, my information that um, I can email you uh, to you. So if you do want that, you're more than welcome to contact us. And, yeah, Setu, you can give us your handles, your details, whatever you're comfortable in giving. And, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's
3: my, my Instagram handle, Quadrifocal. Um, if you follow the page just look for followers if you have spelling errors <laughs> you'll find it on the lawyer and the layman's page
2: yes that's perfect and yeah Yo is still none in the brothel although he's changed his name to yep. something and I couldn't find him yesterday which was fantastic oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah I've got a. To- Stay, got to keep away from the cops sometimes.
2: (laughs) But yeah, thanks so much. And as I said, I do think that we will be chatting about this, whether it's, um, something's got to happen. So there either will be the government taking a step or the forum taking a step or people just looting, taking steps. Like, but yeah, who knows? (laughs) There might be.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cool, guys.
2: But thank you so much, and yeah, you you can end it off in true lawyer and the layman style.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, guys, um, I don't know, I don't have anything else to add. I thought that was a lot of fun, and yeah, hopefully, good first day back. Actually, good first day back. Yeah, um, but yeah, but
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you, guys. So Thanks, and thank yeah, you, guys. This is, guys as Yolisa would say, this is lawyer and the layman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cheers, guys.